Hello and welcome to the Zip Files, a weekly technology news catch-up show. Hush for a moment and think of this. Words were made to be spoken, but then we learned to write and then how to read. Or maybe it was the other way around, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter. What matters is that reading has assaulted your sensory inputs for far too long. Your eyeballs are at risk. For every word that they decipher, they fall foul to wear and tear. You don't want this for yourself. You want to hold your robotic grandchildren and use your intact vision to stare into their artificial souls. Let me help you. I, Evan, first of my name, son of my mother and father, brother to two brothers, set down my own eyeballs at the sacrificial altar. I will read the tech news in your stead, condense it, speak it, and proceed to put random bits of free music I found on the internet around it all in the name of delivering news to your ears rather than your poor eyes. Put your feet up, wind down your eyelids, plug your ears in, and put your feet down. For the next 20 to 25 minutes, your eyesight has no currency here. Save it for Netflix. Former Bolivian President Jorge Fernando Quiroga warned US legislators on Monday to be mindful of overregulation of social media companies. Facebook and Twitter have been in the firing line recently over their failure to responsibly moderate their platforms and secure them against Russian bots. Jorge cautions. If you can regulate it in the US, you can regulate it anywhere. Whatever happens here can be applied and interpreted in very pernicious ways. Think of us, meaning other countries, when you're making rules. Political activists have long used social media as a voice piece. Overzealous regulation in the US could give permission to authoritarian regimes to muzzle social media within their own borders. We're putting a 4G mobile network on the moon, and I'm not joking. Why, I hear you beg. Because Vodafone and Nokia think it's worth it. Why, I hear you whimper. Because a 4G network will be a much more energy efficient way for communication between lunar rovers than the traditional analogue method. But who cares? There aren't any rovers still operational on the moon. I hear you rumble. Well, not yet, but Audi are sending up a pair in 2019 to approach and study Apollo 17's lunar roving vehicle, used in 1972 by the last astronauts to walk on the moon. Now, Before you question the reason behind this study of an old worn-out piece of space junk, I've really got no clue. Maybe it's just to be nostalgic. Either way, I will be watching the stream. What movie would be greatly improved if it was made into a musical? (laughs) What movie would be greatly improved? Um... I just seen some kind of like horror into a musical. I've never really seen like a horror musical. Imagine like the Blair Witch Project as a musical. Would it it be scary enough? That's the issue. I hope it would be. I don't think it would be. (laughs) So it wouldn't be greatly improved by being made into a musical then? (laughs) Yeah, that was was the question. What would be greatly improved? (laughs) Yeah.
No, I think it could be. You'd have to make it an interactive performance in which the actors would like walk through the people as well. I was worried, I was sad, I was alone. Apple, your big iPhones are massive, but if I'm going to be reading this much tech news every week, then I'm going to need something massiver. Fear not, young iUser, Tim Cook whispered onto my eardrum one evening. And then, waking the next morning, I saw it, a post-Christmas miracle, to give me faith that humanity hasn't strayed all that far from its progression towards a better world for us all. A leak from within. Apple will be releasing three new iPhones this year, one so big that it's an inch longer diagonally than the current biggest iPhones. It will be like the iPhone X, but huger -er -er. I am both simultaneously overjoyed and in a state of dejection. My hands won't be big enough for much longer. I'll be needing new hands. Large US tech companies have aggressively minimized their tax bills over the years by shifting profits from higher tax countries like the UK, to lower tax countries such as Ireland or Luxembourg. This figure sums it up. Facebook paid just £2.6 million of UK corporation tax on revenues of £842.4 million in 2016. It's all a bit crazy, and the government is trying to stop it from happening. Mel Stride, Financial Secretary to the Treasury, had shocking news for the industry last week, saying that a tax on revenues was looking like the preferred option. However, don't expect this to happen anytime soon. The consensus amongst tax experts is that this would be both extremely difficult to implement and a poor proxy for taxing big tech success in the UK. Instead, the government should look to make it harder for big tech companies to shift profits generated in the UK to lower tax countries. In the world of Uber, things seem a bit nicer than usual. Although 2017 was a year of scandals, it doesn't seem to have adversely affected drivers. Buoyed by the addition of tipping and the company's decision not to cut fares in January, driver satisfaction is actually up 9% this year. Yay! But if you want to drive strangers and be super happy about it, Uber's moustached competitor, Lyft, still ranks much higher on the satisfaction scale. Uber also announced this week that they're launching Uber Health, a dashboard that hospitals and surgeries will be able to use to order Ubers for non-emergency patient transport. The healthcare hubs will have to pay for the cost of the ride, but there won't be any other fees. Over 4 million Americans miss or postpone healthcare visits every year because of problems around transportation. Hospitals, doctors and other providers could be eager to pay for Uber rides if it means more appointments and thus more revenue. What inanimate object do you wish you could eliminate from existence? Oh, like plugs, maybe. Like, if everything was... If you didn't need a cable and a plug. No, you can't... What? But you do. Yeah, if but you like, eliminated plugs, then you wouldn't have any way. No, exactly. But if there, if there was a way of, um, you know, having electricity without cables and stuff, I don't know, it's a weird question. I'd need more time to think about that to give a proper answer. Welcome to this week's Long Listen.
a cryptocurrency that promised to revolutionize the fruit and vegetable industry, did nothing of the sort. To the dismay of the risk-taking salad eaters who had invested, the criminal creators grabbed the cash, drank their unethically sourced carrot juice, and legged it. But they left one thing behind. One single word on their website. A word that gives accurate commentary to the dire state of affairs in the cryptocurrency space. Penis. Cryptocurrencies and the blockchain technology that they are built upon were intended to work as a democratizing and equalizing force in this imperfect world of ours. But women trying to involve themselves in the recent gold rush have experienced a gender imbalance not seen since very, very recent times. By some estimates, only 4-6% to of crypto investors are female. This disparity is particularly worrying because the early days of an industry are when fortunes are made and cultures defined. These successful fortune owners will then go on to invest in the next edition of businesses and ideas. A gender imbalance in the nascent stages of an industry will lead to an entrenched imbalance in its maturity, something that we see already in the tech space as a whole. There are many who argue that women simply take less risks. They are more cautious. Men are, and have always been, the ones to throw themselves at the mercy of chance. Thus, it is unsurprising that it is those in the possession of a Y chromosome who strap on their muscles and go out to play speculative bets on the rise and fall of highly volatile digital assets. Men take more risks. It makes evolutionary sense. Close your eyes. You're in a cave. It's ages ago. You're a cave person. The cave men around you have to go out and kill a brontosaurus so that your community can eat. The cave women, they need to stay in the cave and suckle the cave younglings. Evolution needed men to take more risks and women to take fewer. Here's the snag though. Most older studies that take this evolutionary argument and find supposed proof in the modern era were based on anecdotal or epidemiological evidence. Evan, speak English, you damn word user. Sorry, what I mean is that those older studies couldn't prove that risk-taking was caused by maleness, only that the two were linked. But close your eyes again and take yourself back slightly less far through the ages to when these studies were being done. It's entirely possible that females 50 to 100 years ago were yearning for a cliff and a paraglider. But women were actively encouraged by society not to take risks. They just didn't have the same opportunities for risk-taking as men. Indeed, today's research is challenging the conception that men are any nuttier than women. Study after study reveals that there is more variance in a sex than there is between sexes. Consider a recent study of over 36,000 employees from 10 banks, covering all levels of seniority and all areas of specialism. It found that 46% of women had a higher tolerance for risk than men. However, it is interesting to note that there does seem to be a difference between the nature of risks that each gender tends to take. Put humans in a laboratory, make them gamble, and the male ones will tend to risk more. Yet, when you look at other risky situations, you see that women are more likely to take other kinds of risk. They better support their in-group, even if it could be to their detriment, more probably bring up unpopular issues in the workplace, and are more likely to head off on a career change later in life, etc, etc. So, as the cryptocurrency space is mostly full of gambling speculators, perhaps there is some evidence that the imbalance is partially the result of differences in each gender's approach to risk. But, to be frank, it's total and utter crap to explain away this totally lopsided gender divide with this biologically-centred argument. 
Take a moment to look at how the cryptocurrency world is being run and you'll quickly see that blockchain bros are a much bigger cause of female absence. The North American Bitcoin conference put out its speaker lineup, 86 men and one woman. There were complaints. The organizer replaced two of the men with women and then thought to himself, good me, me do equality. Then for the official conference party, well, duh, that was in a Miami strip club. Datecoin, a recent offering to the crypto space, advertised its initial coin offering, ICO, on Facebook with an advert that featured a reclining woman captioned, touch my ICO. I mean, come on, guys, that doesn't even make any damn sense. You've really gone out on a limb there just to bring in some good old-fashioned sexist bant. As a technology whose genesis focused on pushing the world towards a more equal and democratic system, it has certainly strayed. The conclusion time and time again of numerous academic and practical studies is that in greater equality and diversity, we find greater strength. Like any other industry, crypto and blockchain can only benefit from becoming more accessible, approachable and responsible. I'll leave you with the words of Sheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook. The world is still run by men. I'm not sure it's going that well. Spotify filed for a direct listing of their stock this week, an unusual way to go public. The usual route is through an initial public offering, IPO, where the share price is set in advance of the company's listing and a great deal of marketing is put into enticing investors. With a direct listing, the price is determined on the day by evaluating supply and demand and the costly hullabaloo preceding an IPO is foregone. If Spotify's listing is successful, then it's likely that other big tech companies will follow suit. Remember those days when your Facebook newsfeed was a flowing nirvana of posts from friends? You could hop on, scroll, and see all of the great things that they were getting up to without you. Those were the good old days, before the newsfeed was overrun by spammy clickbait. Well, in an exciting turn of events for people who like the sweet burn of FOMO, Facebook want to take us back to a friends-focused newsfeed, and they've changed their algorithms to make it happen. This is great news, but not for a bunch of publishers whose business models were entirely dependent on the old Facebook newsfeed. Little Things, the epitome of social publishing, announced this week that they are shutting down after Facebook's algorithm tweak took out roughly 75% of their organic traffic and absolutely decimated their profits. Personally, I bid them and their subgenre of crappy publishing adieu. I won't be missing articles like Nudists hit back when male woman refuses to enter their neighbourhood. Lol. We've all done it. It's natural nowadays. You've had half a unit of alcohol. You're with a friend, maybe two friends if you've got a good imagination. You pull out your phone, activate the front-facing camera, take a deep breath. You can do this. You've practiced for hours. You've read the manuals. The lighting could work here. You're feeling good about this one. It happens. A selfie taken in reverie. But Christ, is that me, you think to yourself, as you peer down at the photographic abomination before you? Christ, nobody told me I had a peak. A study published on Thursday titled Nasal Distortion in Short Distance Photographs, The Selfie Effect, is reassuring. Selfies act as portable funhouse mirrors, 
distorting the nose and enlarging it by circa 30%. Why does this happen? It's bloody science. The short distance teams up with the wide-angle lens to puff the proboscis. In 2017, 55% of facial plastic surgeons reported seeing people who wanted a nose job to look better in selfies. A cheaper alternative? A longer selfie stick. What's the closest thing to real magic? <laughs> right. Um, I'm trying to... Oh, uh, like hypnotherapy and stuff, like Darren Brown. I think that's pretty pretty close to magic. Like when he supposedly tricked everyone to sitting on the sofa by trapping like an air bubble in their bums. What on earth? <laughs> Do you remember that was like a theory? It was that like he released an air bubble in people's bums. <laughs> <laughs> How did he do that? I don't know. I think I'm wrong there. I think I'm very wrong on that. So that's what you think magic is, releasing air bubbles in people's bums? Nah, but Darren Brown tricked everyone into sitting down. On Tuesday, the US Supreme Court heard oral arguments in United States versus Microsoft. The US government say that they have the authority to obtain emails and other communications stored by American firms in international data centers. Microsoft and others disagree. In reality, the Stored Communications Act, the 1986 law that regulates the US's ability to obtain these sensitive bits of information, is massively outdated and provides little relevant guide for the justices presiding over the case. The law is too all or nothing. While divided over whether it grants the US government too little or too much power, the justices are resolved on one thing. The ideal resolution will not be reached in the courtroom, but instead in Congress, where the Cloud Act has been proposed. Legislation that will clarify both the reach of the US government into extraterritorial data centers and the reach of foreign governments into American ones. You know Santander bikes? Yeah, Boris bikes. Those are cool. You pick them up from a docking station, ride them around, and drop them off at a docking station. But you know what would be cooler? If you could just find a bike on the street, ride it to where you want to go, and just leave it on the street. Well, a bunch of companies had that idea, and it's a thing. In fact, it's already been pretty successful in Asia. But as these dockless bike-sharing companies try to expand into European markets they are experiencing some pretty impressive obstacles. This week, Hong Kong-based startup Gobi announced that they were pulling out of France after 60% of their fleet had been destroyed, stolen or vandalised in just four months. They have already abandoned Italy and Belgium this year. Their competitors have had similar struggles. This is a shame. Alright folks, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's instalment of The Zip Files. If you got a singular micron of utility from listening to this audio-based tech news catch-up review, then please consider sharing The Zip Files with your friends and enemies. Many thank yous. Until next Sunday, enjoy your venti cappuccinos and have a great week.